This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Hey, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the center, and the Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr from the Boston Bruins! 30 seconds left in the period, the Bruins are shorthanded. Ray Bork. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, presented by the Black and Gold Hockey Productions Podcast Network and sponsored by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and enter code CLNS50 and get those Super Bowl picks in for sure. Uh, today is January 24th, 2021. This is episode number 213. And I'm your host, Matt Barry. And I'm joined this week by Mark Allred. Hello, Mark. What's up, Matt? How you doing this week? Uh, doing, doing great. We're missing Heather Hingerson today. Heather is off this week, and she'll be back next week. And we're going to miss her terribly. It's a it's a jam packed agenda today, so we'll definitely miss her insight. But we'll see her again next week. And Mark wanted to start the show today, but just re- just uh, giving a little shout out to one of our dedicated listeners out in Australia. Yes. I, I do want to shout out somebody, but I, before I do that, I want to say we do have a Patreon account going out, and this is a, play, a way to help cut us our um, our operational costs at the Black and Gold Hockey Productions uh, Sports Media Company. Uh, it's a dollar per episode. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Donate $1 per episode. You can get uh, involved in our four-week-a-month four giveaways, and that's a, just a regular Bruins item like a T-shirt, calendar, a hat. You know, just something that I buy off of Fanatics. But also, you can get involved in hand-signed jerseys. Uh, we give those away once a month. So it's just a dollar. You can get like a Derek Sanderson hand-signed jersey. But I do want to shout out one of our Patreon members. And this was funny because he won. He was our first week winner. 
And I reached out to him via email. He got back to me and said, Mark, don't worry about shipping it to me. And I asked why. And he got back to me and he's like, sending it to Australia would cost so much damn money that I'm not worried about it. So thank you. He's like, I, I'm a I diehard listener. And this guy has been a Patreon member for a long time, which I truly appreciate. Trent Barry. If I missed his name, I'm saying it now. But he's also just said, you know, keep up the good work. I listen from down under and, and he's been listening for years. So he's been with us for a long time. So shout out, Trent. I really appreciate everything. And also, uh, Andrew Traverna, our very own, we're going to send your gift out soon. And our first um, jersey, hand-signed jersey that we gave away last week to Joel Marshall. He was the winner of a Anders Bjork hand-signed jersey, uh, fully authenticated and so on. So we're going to get that out to him this week. So plenty of good stuff to get on board and win. It's just a dollar. It's, it's an amazing uh, um, a contribution that you can win uh, for really cheap money. It really is, and we're, we're thankful for, for Trent uh, and also for everyone who contributes to Patreon through Patreon and everybody who listens every single week. We have many, many dedicated, loyal listeners, and, and we couldn't do it without you. We certainly wouldn't be as fun without having people listen to us. Exactly. <laughs> so great to have everybody. Um, and Mark wanted to just give a quick read about our great sponsor, Bet Online. Absolutely. Show sponsor, Bet Online. Are we ready for some football and hockey? NFL playoffs are down to four teams with two advancing to the 55th Super Bowl. The NHL 2021 regular season is already two weeks into the year with at least a game every day until the postseason this spring. There is only one place that you co- that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Place wages on the upcoming NFL Super Bowl and in-game bets, guys. Place and bet on weekly NHL games and futures by placing a wager on the 2021 Stanley Cup odds. Get in on the NBA action with game bets and place a wager on who could take home the 2020 basketball championship. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, online sports book experts. Absolutely. It's great, uh, great little resource, too, if you like to do a little bit of gambling, obviously responsibly. But I did it myself, put 60 bucks in, got 30 bucks free. And uh, I actually bet on the Bruins breaking out of their slump against the Flyers. And that's one of the discussions we'll have first off here is these past three games for the Bruins didn't start well, hit a real rough patch, especially five on five scoring. Uh, if we go back to the Islanders game, the second, the, the Islanders game where we lost one to nothing, it was a very difficult game to watch. It's just when they don't score and, and they seem to carry play and so forth and just can't put the puck in the net, it makes it very sort of discouraging as a fan. But you had to believe, though, Mark, that they, they have talent and that the scoring would come and it eventually did. But that first game against the Islanders, that, that one nothing loss this week, uh, was a tough one to watch, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the two games against the the the, the uh, Devils. I mean, those were your preseason games, in my opinion. It's kind of weird to say that because we didn't have a preseason schedule at all. But you saw some small things in those games. But I really wanted them to beat the New Jersey Devils because the Devils are very young. They're more north uh, to south, uh, up the middle type of hockey. And I thought in those games, along with the uh, the Islanders game and the one to nothing loss, 
that the Bruins were not going to those areas to create opportunities. They were getting shots from the perimeter and along the boards. And, and you know, goalies are going to uh, see that all day long when you shoot it right in the chest. And uh, you got to get them moving side to side in, the, in today's uh, NHL. And I think that, you know, uh, what did I have for a stat? Uh, the first three games, I don't count shootout goals as goals. So the first three games, they only produce three goals. Uh, that's uh, no goals against the Islanders on Monday the 18th and three goals against the New Jersey Devils in the first two games. Mm. But the last two games, or should I just wait until uh, we talk about those, the Flyers games? Oh, I know. You go right ahead. The last two games were the dam sort of broke, so that was good. (laughs) Absolutely. The dam was absolutely broken when you think about um, top-line scoring, secondary scoring and scoring by committee and that's probably mixed into a a lot of different narratives but it was all positive things and this is the thing for me uh, Matt is that Islanders game it wasn't the greatest but you saw spurts and times when this Boston Bruins team really woke up and and you were like wow this is good Tukaras stood on his head he basically kept the the, uh, Bruins in that game to that point but ultimately you lose um, uh, to, uh, one nothing. It sucks, but th- that's like a really good stepping stone to a better team than the New Jersey Devils, uh, and then um, a great you know catalyst for the next two games against the uh, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. But I got to tell you, the last two games, the Bruins have scored ten goals. The offense is just coming fully by committee. And that's a lot of things that uh, Coach Bruce Cassidy had said several times in the previous three games that were just not getting there completely. But above all, I just want to mention the last four periods, which is basically the last two games I'm talking about, that's 10 goals in four periods. What a way to wake up. I'm I'm not a wrestling guy. I hate it. It's it's very boring. But this is when The Undertaker just comes right up and like, hey, I'm awake. Right. Right. Well, that's very true. And I and I thought going into the Flyers game, the first one, they were coming home for two, first game at home. And I know there's no crowd, but it's still comfortable at home. And they've always been, you know, this group here, this nucleus has been pretty good at home and tends to score goals at home. So I thought maybe it would, you know, like we said, the dam would break. In the first period, 14 to three in shots against the Flyers and really carry the play. And you could just sense that it was going to come around. Now, the second period wasn't very good. Flyers went ahead. But like you said, third period, the dam finally did break and they scored, I think it was three five-on-five goals. Uh, And you know what? And we'll talk about them later. But one of the key people in this whole situation has been Nick Ritchie. And I destroyed him last week. And I said he was city sucked and I and I was all over him. But you know what? He's he's beginning to prove me wrong, which I'll gladly take. But he has been one of the people who has gotten to the front of the net. And last night he makes a great play across ice on the power play to Marcian who snipes a goal and you know he's just doing the right things for them what they really need from him but I thought overall that third period that's where it finally came together for them and like you said earlier Mark they've had periods where they played extremely well and they carried play and they had tons of shots on net and you just felt that after a while they have too much talent not to score even with Pasternak out and now I think it's a great sign now with Pasternak coming back soon um just finally getting it together and they're getting the, you know, the secondary scoring as well. And, and I thought last night, you know, the flyers are in a little bit of a trouble now, but I thought last night the the Bruins really took it to them and, and the team really had their first real complete 
uh, game last night, I thought. Yeah, and, and it's a small sample size. We're just in the game, the fifth game of the season. But you can definitely see what when I was talking about earlier, especially during the the um, the Islanders game and the two range, uh, Rangers, um, New Jersey Devils games, those perimeter shots were coming right at the goalie. But in these in these two Philadelphia games, especially in the last four periods, you could see that the action was getting more congested in front of the net and up the middle lane. And that's where those opportunities are going to come. And you're going to have secondary opportunities when the goalie makes a save. Just get the shots on net. And that's what the Boston Bruins have been doing a lot lately, right. is getting those right. shots on net and creating second chances. Um, right. That's You just got to do that against teams like the Flyers who are going to play heavy in front of you and try to get position in front of their goaltender and knock you off your game and force you out to the perimeter. You need to get in it. This is a great, great start for the Boston Bruins in this new division against teams like the the Flyers, the Penguins, the Rangers, you know, and, and it's just going to be some interesting hockey regardless. But a key point that I did want to bring up, and I'm not taking this, I, I just don't remember who said it, I think it was probably Billy Jaffe and and um, yeah, or somebody, but you know, there's there's no Western games, there's no travel outside of the division right. and so on. So like right. every game is is a point earned. There's nothing when you go to Chicago and so on. I think it was it might have been even Bruce Cassidy that said this in in a post game interview. Like when you go to Chicago and you lose, you're really not losing that many points as you would when you're playing a freaking divisional opponent. When you're playing in a division that's so tight and you have so many so uh, eight teams, and you, you're not going anywhere else, every game counts. So you know if you go on a three game losing streak, you could easily, easily get bumped out of the playoffs. And, and, and that's true. And you play everybody eight times, so there's you know some rivalries in there. There's some bad blood that begins, and and every game would become intense. And you know the Flyers will be coming back waiting, waiting to get back at the Bruins the next time they play. And so anytime you win a game. There's that revenge factor the next game and trying to even the score. So it is a very valid point and only 56 games as well. So it was important for them to get off to a good start. And, and largely they have. I mean, they had that that one hiccup in, in, you know, with the Islanders where they couldn't score a goal. I did, thought they still carried a lot of play in that uh, in that game. But that was their only real you know regulation loss. And, and these last two games were very encouraging. I thought coming into the year that they were talented enough to win a division again. I think I thought the Flyers were the second best team and could could bump them off. And I thought that the Islanders were maybe a step behind them. But I thought, you know, I thought other than that, I, I just thought that the Bruins are still the class of the of the division. I think they have the most depth is what they're showing right now. Uh, and we could talk a little bit about this young defense, because I thought, you know, Jakob Sporl has been a really nice surprise. Bruce Cassidy even said so in his comments after the game that he's he's showing poise, going and courage, going back to get pucks. He made a really good play on the power play. He made a really good indirect pass to set up Frederick, who made that cross-ice pass to uh, Coyle for the tip-in. You know, so Zaboros doing some really nice things for them. I think Jeremy Lozon's playing a little bit better now. I mean, he had some hiccups. Uh, but the defense, you know, without Grizzlick yesterday, you know, they've that hasn't been an issue. It just hasn't been. And uh, I think it's the best case scenario if you're a Bruins fan. I mean, it could be a lot worse right now. And I think they'll only get better. Um, and now you have a numbers game with forwards. Uh, and the only real guy that's been a disappointment for me is Andres Bjork because he, he's he been bumped down to the fourth line and, 
and probably is the odd man out when it, when it all is said and done. But I think the entire team, I think you're seeing you know, a lot of great depth, especially with the young players coming in and being able to fill in, you know. So I think it's been I think it's been really good. Uh, next item on the agenda is we, is we won two shootouts <laughs> this oh year. God. This has always been a thorn. Uh, but uh, Marshan scoring to win the first one, and then uh, Jake DeBrusque with a fantastic shot, like a look almost like a Pavel Dasuk kind of kind of flip shot. I would uh, break my back if I did something like that. I know it. I know it. That I mean, was the high insane. leg kick, the 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 body motion, oh, yeah. just to f- uh, fake the goalie out. I think it was Mackenzie Blackwood. Yes, and yeah. uh, and just uh, just roofed it on a, you know, yeah. and on just a a nice little wrister. Top shelf, yeah. so good for yeah. Jake. It was, it was good, yeah. And also yeah. good for Jake to get his first point of the season uh, yesterday in this in the six to one uh, beatdown of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, it's it's funny because he did. I, it was all over Twitter. He did take a fall into the boards that looked almost like a like a deer on ice uh, <laughs> at one point. It looked a little goofy here and there, but you know Jake just has to keep doing what will be good for him, use his speed and get to the front of the net. And he has good hands and he has ability to score goals. He just has to stay engaged to get into the greasy areas and stuff. They could still use more from him. And I don't know if it's to a point now where you just, this is what you're going to get from him. Some inconsistency. And when it's going good, it's going well. If it's not, it's not. So I don't know. At some point you have to say, this might be just who he is, but I think when he's going well, He's a major asset for sure, and he's been on that top line uh, with Bergeron and Marchand. And um, but I think the the guy that's really uh, in a bind right now is Bjork, and I think you may see him moved at some point um, because I think when Kasha comes back, and I and I think Bjork has some talent, and I think that it's I, I'd love for him to continue to to improve, but. I just don't know if he does. He doesn't seem to be in Cassidy's favor right now. And that's usually a kiss of death. You know, it usually means that if you're getting bumped down and out, it usually means that it's going to be, it's going to take a lot for you to get back into the graces. I don't know if, I mean, do you think Bjork can turn it around? Do you think he's part of the plan or do you think that he's going to eventually be jettisoned out of here? I, I do think he's part of the plan. I think they, the Boston Bruins have invested a, a, quite a lot of time in Anders. But the, this good, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a fence guy. So the same thing with Jake DeBrusque. I mean, they signed him to a two-year deal, it's bridge bridge deal, and uh, basically saying the cap's not going up. It's going to be flat for a little while. Can you work with us? This is a typical Don Sweeney doing his magic, uh, sitting down at the table. Um, but... What I like about these two players is they're on, they're on, they have term, and they're not big salaries. So mm-hmm. let's see what we can get out of them. I, I'm a chance guy. I want to see Jake DeBrusque. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. But on a two-year deal, here's the thing: you can see what you have this year. If it's not enticing and you don't want to make a move, use mm-hmm. that young talent to address a need. Um, sure. You know, up, up, up. Up top, top six. Mm. You know, hammer free agency this this off season, along with the Anders Bjork. You know, if you want to trade for a defenseman, there's a there's an enticing um, uh, asset right there that could be you know valued to another team, and his NHL right. uh, success could be you know more somewhere else. Uh, I, but I like them. I like them both on the team. But I want to see what we have first, and then do what you got to do to uh, make your team better after that. But 
Yeah, I mean, when Pasternak comes back, I mean, this is going to be so this this offense. If it's if it's if this is the sample size we're getting from the Flyers, the two Flyers games, and then you add Pasternak at the end of the month, early February, let's roll, let's effing go, because that offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders in a fifty-six uh, game condensed season. And you know, I'm not calling, I'm not the crazy tinfoil people out there. I'm not calling a Stanley Cup after this. This is just what we, this is just the beginning of this team getting chemistry and so on. So, but it's good to see. It's good to see that we're scoring in all situations and not just the top line doing all the heavy work for us. And a defense that we all thought was going to be shaky have has really turned my tone right around and say, are we really missing Zidane Chara? Right. Well, that's true. That's true. And I don't. I don't really don't think. I don't really don't think they are. I mean, I think in the penalty kill has been good and the, and, you know, like I say, the, the, you know, the defense itself as a core has been good. And, you know, Kevin Miller and Jakobs Borle have been a really good third pair for them. And Lausanne's coming around. And even with Grizzly getting hurt, I worry about Grizzly's durability. I worried about it beginning of the year. I didn't think it would happen so soon, but he's already getting dinged up. He's not very big. He's slight. Um, he plays more of a shifty speed type of skating game and, um, to take a wear and tear all year long at 20, 20 to 24 minutes per game is, is a, is a, is a stretch for him. Uh, so that's a, that's one concern, but you can always, like you said, make a move at the D at the deadline. Uh, I think Bjork, I just hope we don't look back and say they should have moved and been a little bit more aggressive moving Bjork when his value was a little higher because maybe they could have packaged him in something that would have gotten a little bit more of a return. And I think you're risking getting to a point of no return with him where his value is low and now you're just sort of giving him away. And uh, like you said, he has a good, he has a good cap number. He has a good term. So maybe he's less than 2 million. You know, maybe they just sort of keep scratching him and playing him and, and, and moving him around and see what they can get from him. Um, Dubrovsky is a big point in his career. He needs to show that he's consistent enough to get the next big deal. And that's one of the advantages the Bruins have of giving him that two-year bridge deal is that they kind of leverage him a bit. And he'll need to show that to get that next uh, really good deal. So he'll need to play pretty well. But I think, I thought coming into the year, the forward, forward lines were going to be their strength. I thought they had a tremendous amount of depth there. Uh, I thought that all four lines can pursue pucks and are tough to play against the fourth line with Wagner and Corrali. And sometimes it was Frederick. Frederick was moved to the third line and, and so forth. I just think all throughout, they have four really good active lines. And that leads us to our next uh, item on the agenda is the fourth line was Frederick Corrali and Wagner it was probably, I would say, arguably their best line to start the year uh, consistently. Uh, and then Freddie was moved up to the next line, the third line with Coyle and Smith. And boy, I, at first I was like, oh, you know, can we just leave the fourth line? Give Bjork another couple games there. Like, don't mess with your best line to repair another line, you know. But Frederick, Coyle and Smith were tremendous last night. Smith scored, Coyle scored, Frederick was everywhere setting up goals. I mean, it was that would that may be a line that, that could be reckoned with coming down the line here. 
Yeah, and, and and touching on the uh, the fourth line of Frederick Corrali and Wagner, believe it or not, I, I, I'm not a big analytical geek. You know what I mean? Mm. And I, mm. I, I I like to see the graphs and so on, and I like to see when numbers are, are projecting up for players on the Boston Bruins. Mm. Uh, but I really don't. I'm not a math guy. I, if I, if I was a math guy, I'd probably be all in on this stuff. But but it's good to see like the dumb decisions out there and. And um and and uh, Puckpedia and so on doing all the uh, the heavy lifting and so on, but um it was really cool to see a graph that I uh, had uh, that fourth line of Frederick Corrali and Wagner as like out of a top ten of the top lines in the league and and some of these lines were you know uh, Crosby Malkin and somebody else oh, wow, you know wow. but they yeah. they were right up there in some kind of uh, underlying stat. And I was just right. like, "Holy crap! This is a this is really cool." I, I'm not sure what stat it was. And I'm sorry I didn't do the homework on that, but it was really cool to see that. And it was a surprise. I mean, Connor Ryan from the Boston Sports Journal tweeted it out, and I was just like, "Holy shit! That's amazing!" But yeah. But then you talk about Frederick and, and 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 his game since being brought up from Providence last season, and he he's been just been glorifying the development. Uh, that he's been doing down there with Jay Leach and Trent Whitfield and and Ryan Mulgren. Those guys have really worked with him uh, to get better, stronger, uh, you know, uh, more positional. And he's just doing all those right things that he was doing down there up in the NHL right now, which obviously um, gave him a, a step up in yesterday's game, moving him up to the third line, uh, more or less a, a reward. And I think it paid the dividends. I really think he is really bringing his game to a whole new level, which is great to see that he can be productive on the fourth line or the third line and uh, being a natural center. If something happens in the middle, he can easily shift over. Um, So he's just been really, really good. And I'm really happy that things are working out for him because I was really high on this pick. Um, I knew the Anaheim Ducks had the next pick on the Bruins and... um, and the Bruins got some intel that they were going to pick him because of what you're seeing right now. And mm-hmm. a lot of folks, uh, the, the the draft experts out there, the armchair draft experts, were not happy when Trent Frederick was picked with the first and then later to learn that he was going to be a projected third-line center. It doesn't matter to me where you're picked in the fourth. I mean, don't pick a fourth-liner you know, in the first round. I get it. But if you could be that prototypical next guy and you're playing next to the person that you want to learn from and puck possession is is a master like Charlie Coyle? Absolutely. I mean, Charlie Coyle is one of the best third-line centers in the league right now. This is not a bad projection for a first-rounder, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people would just... I'm not going to criticize you know their opinion and so on, but a little off on their frustration about that. Well, I, and I agree. In, in this this particular year, in 2016, he was the second first-round pick, so it's a little bit more comforting. McAvoy was the first, right? Mas- McAvoy was first. So, I mean, that's if you can get McAvoy and Frederick really st- keeps coming along, that's a pretty good hit <laughs> on two of those. Nice way so to replenish I, you know, that prospect pool. Well, right, right. Yeah, I think so. And, and that they needed... You know, that type of, he's a Bruins type of player. They needed that gritty, grinding, you know, heavier type of player. And like, and I agree with you. The the NHL draft is such a crapshoot and so volatile that if a 29th pick, if you can get a guy who's just a good contributing factor to your team, then you take it. I mean, you take it any day of the week. I mean, you could you could take a reach on someone like a Zach Senishin and have it completely explode in your face. 
and that's not good. You know, there are other people in that draft that never really played much in the NHL at all in the first round. So if you can get a guy, again, who's a contributing factor, plays your style, is a real value to the team, then that's that's a good pick. I mean, that's and like you said, all the first round picks are not going to be first top, you know, top line guys. You know, all 30, some are going to be misses, some are going to be stars, and some are going to be just in the middle, just in just like Trent Frederick is becoming and and he's a, and he provides some good value and I think he'll get better. You mentioned Jay Leach and the coaching staff. I don't think they get enough credit, they especially don't. for guys like the defensive core. I mean, you're bringing in Guys you drafted in the last few years and their defensive core is largely all homegrown grown. It's all drafted and developed. And that's not, that's rare. I mean, that's really rare to have that. And Kevin Miller was the only one who wasn't drafted, but he was an undrafted free agent, I think. So, you know, the, you, you know, you have Grizzlick and McAvoy and Carlo and, and Zaboral and Lausanne. I mean, and Clifton, I mean, geez, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a lot of guys at once in a lot of really good developments. And I don't think they get enough credit for that because um, that just doesn't happen a lot, especially if you're a good team. If it, if it were to happen, you'd probably be on the bottom half of the league. But to have one of the better teams in the league and have all that coming together at once from your own drafting and development is really, really impressive. Yeah. And I don't think that Bruins fans give them enough credit. No, no, and neither do some of the writers. Have you seen some right. of these like prospect oh, yeah. freaking articles and their rankings? Right. I mean, the Bruins yeah. are like pretty much at the I think bottom I saw of the thirty first. Yeah, I think I saw them thirty first. Yeah, yeah, and and but but I want to see those articles compared to what's going on right now and see those writers and say, you know, I know they're not going to like admit that they fumbled. You know, their opinions and, and they're all respected, but. Mm. You know, it's like how you matching your words now when they're actually at the NHL level and doing the job and not being, you know, buried in the Providence Bruins system. And um, and and so many fans get so upset when a first rounder doesn't make the NHL after he left the damn podium. It's just like, come right. on, this is the new. In my opinion, if if you strike gold, then you get a player right in the NHL immediately. But in my opinion, I think it's so imperative. For a young player to at least play at the minor the pro level, learn the system, and then ease your way right in. There's no more need for for um, uh, first round picks to jump right involved and so on. It's just, no, I like it. And I, I like the trend. And I, I, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of great members of the player development role in the Boston Bruins organization that understand that that they you know they need this little bit of minor pro. And then, then we'll freaking ease you right in if there's roster availability. Yeah, and I think there's also a, a little bit of a point here where if if Frederick and McAvoy were both great to begin with, they both be coming up together at contract negotiations. So then you'd have to pay them big money both at the same time. Same thing with the 2015 draft. You know, you'd want to hit on all those three, and you want them all to be stars from the get go. But can you imagine if it was Barzal, Connor, and in DeBrusque or or Shabbat, Shabbat, then you'd have you'd lose one of those guys anyway. Is, I mean, you wouldn't be able to sign them all. This is ex- all right. This is exactly why a player like Ryan Donato was moved mm-hmm. because right. if they're looking at projections, you're looking at Puckpedia and you're looking at all these contracts that are coming up and so on, and you look at all these youth members that are under entry level deals, you're bottlenecking. You are bottlenecking everything right there. So you had to make Ryan Donato a, um, 
an asset to move, which was awesome because he got mm-hmm. Charlie Coyle. I know mm-hmm. I'm not wasn't a fan of the deal at then, but I'm, I ate my shoe back then. It was a size mm-hmm. ten and a half New Balance, and it <laughs> yeah. tasted terrible. Yeah, and I'm probably going to eat another that. one with my Kevin Miller takes. So right. that's um, that's in the brine yeah. right now, and hopefully by right. May <laughs> I'll have that nice right. and ready to eat. Right. <laughs> that's for that's for sure. But I think, you know, the coil trade is just has just been phenomenal, and it keep, keeps getting better. And he has really embraced playing at home at home, and is right down the street from his hometown. Like he's been, he's a hometown guy who really made it. I mean, he's the he's the anti Jimmy Hayes. I mean, he he's actually embraced it, and he has improved and been more of the more than the player I thought he would be. So that was a great great deal. And it keeps reaping benefits, and they locked them up for a pretty good term and price too. So I think that's a really good, and it, and it lessens the blow of losing Krejci uh, too. And it and it and it's a, if they're able to, if if he and Studnicka are two good centers going forward, I think they've been able to extend that and move on from Krejci and Bergeron when t- when the time comes, and um, and that will be a really good transition. By, by them. So I think, uh, but I, you know, I look, Don, we, we can get on Don Sweeney for a lot and his lack of moves. And there are some misses in the draft and the Seneshin pick is always something people go back to. And now Zaboral and DeBrusque, if DeBrusque can just keep getting better, showing more consistency, then you could say you hit on two out of three, you know, and that narrative starts to sh- go away some uh and seems a little outdated but i but i think that all in all this group that coming in all at once here is, i mean look at tampa bay they they drafted really well and they have all these guys they're in cap hell pretty soon you know they they're maneuvering and, and slipping you know slipping through it and and trying to be creative but at some point they're going to have to get rid of two yeah. or three guys they're going to be know? the new so chicago blackhawks and cap casualties are. They are, and they're going to have a couple stars in there with with a less than good team. And you know, Patty Kane and Jonathan Taves have been struggling since then because they, you know, it's just it, that's what happens if you can draft too well. I think uh, sometimes too. Oh so it's it's a tough little balancing act. Um, next item on the agenda is Tuka Rask, looking in midseason form. Questions about him for sure coming into the season as far as his mental sort of where he was mentally and emotionally and how invested he would be. I think he's proven everybody wrong. There have been articles written about how his teammates have said that they think he's on a mission and can sense it. I think it eases and comforts the minds of his teammates because I think he is a big part of how they play. And if he's invested, then they feel a sense of comfort. It's just like if your quarterback's doing well, it helps the whole team, and it's the same thing with the goaltender. And Halak, you know, Yaroslav Halak is a good, good, you know, good backup who has no agenda, who goes in and plays when you tell him to. He can spot, you know, go in for four or five games if he had to in a row. And he's a, you know, he's a he's a professional professional goalie, and uh, that's been a real strength of the team. I think the goaltending, and you're you're a goalie, Mark. You love the goaltending, and I think it's been a really good. Continues to be a strength. Yeah, so. as, as a fellow pucky to beer leaguer champion, you know, no <laughs> professional experience uh, required mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, when you see a confident goaltender like Tuka Rask, you know you're going to get, like you said, you're going to get the best out of your team in front of you, especially your mm-hmm. defense and a young defense that sees a goaltender like that. Uh, just breeds confidence in, in, in everybody in front. So, 
Um, yeah, if Tuka's on a mission and the and the team is completely bought into what he's doing, I think we're going to see some really good things. My expectations are that they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not going to go any further until I see it. So it's a remains-to-be-seen thing. But this tandem for the past couple of seasons has been top in the league, uh, top five. Not, I, I could even go top three. Um, so it, it's good for one year. Uh, let's see where we go from there. This is, this is going to be a big audition for Tuca at his age, um, whether he re-signs a, a one-year or a two-year deal. What's going to happen with uh, Yaroslav Alak? Do you have confidence in Jeremy Swayman after one year? Do you have confidence in Dan Vladar after several years down in the pros? Two great young goaltenders that are coming up in the midst, but um, when they're ready remains to be seen. I don't want to rush goaltending. Goaltenders mm-hmm. should not be rushed at all. Go, mm-hmm. Keep on going with the one-year deals if you can. Keep them in Providence. And when you're absolutely ready and you cannot deny them, you have to cut ties with either Rask or Halak and get these mm-hmm. guys in there. But I'm looking forward to seeing Swainman and, and Vladar at the AHL level this season. We'll talk about that later. Um, mm-hmm. But the goaltending tandem is just it's just really strong. Um, mm-hmm. And listen, this this year so far and what we're seeing, you know, even that one to nothing loss, Tuka was outstanding. He was standing on his head, pretty much kept mm-hmm. everything. But it came down to, to the final, you know, minutes of the game that a goal went by. So um, this, it's great things moving forward. And, uh, and if he's confident, I'm confident. And, and, and it just, it's great to see uh, what he's doing and uh, just serving it to all the haters. Yeah, I, th- I think we can't appreciate him as much as we probably should because of some of the, some, some of the things that have happened and a lot of the Tuka haters. And I feel like I'm being a Tuka apologist all the time for him, like trying to you know prove to people that he's – but he's an elite goaltender. I mean, he is such a good goaltender. Does he have his issues and moments? And sure, I mean, he does. I mean, he, he doesn't have the – So does every human gonna, being. So does everybody, yeah. And, and he doesn't have the I'm going to walk through a wall for – for the you know for the Boston sports fans like they like they like blue collar they like you know he's not that type he's gonna tell you how he feels he's gonna say you know I'm not that invested when he's not I mean he's gonna be honest and that's just his his personality and his culture some of it is his culture so that's that's not a good mix and I think people hold that against him I hold it against him that he didn't win a cup and I get that I mean that's a you know it's a what have you done for me lately type of thing and I get it but I think going into the season I thought that Halak had a better chance of return just because like you said i don't i don't think anybody will be ready i really don't so they're gonna have to go get another guy and then halak will be the backup i would thought i thought but i really think tuka might sign a one-year deal you know he's talked here and there made some comments about retirement and what that might look like and maybe he might have thought of it or it's up in the air and that type of thing um so i think he may sign a one-year deal to go one more year and that would help the Bruins a ton because then they could continue their development. We've seen from, from Kaiser who's had some struggles, Vladar, obviously that was a disaster. You know, Swayman looks like a really good prospect, but it's really hard to draft and develop goaltenders. It might be the hardest thing in hockey because a lot of times goalies just appear out of thin air and just are good. And it's hard to really draft a guy. There's not a lot of carry prices. You know, we just draft him. He comes in. He's an elite goalie. It just doesn't work that way in goaltending. 
And sometimes they get better as they get older and they're not as good as when they were younger. And, and, and you know, they peak at different times. So it's a, it's a, it's a moving target goaltending and uh, you know, no pun intended, but it's uh, you know, it's, I think Tuca might be back next year now. I, I, just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, I'm turning, I'm, I'm just surprised because I really thought he was just about getting done. And now it looks like he's rejuvenated. Well, he's got, so it's, he's uh, got a ton know. to prove, no doubt. Um, but here's a question for you that we're, we're going a little off the agenda here, which I don't care. Um, is, is Okay, he comes back for one more season. Mm. Every, there's a lot of play, uh, people, Bruins fans, yes, bring him back. Seven million is a very, very great price for him. But I don't mm. think that the Bruins would, would want to entertain a $7 million deal that he's making right now for one season. So this is mm. an audition year under contract. Um, mm. And if he gets another deal, I would say it could be five and sub. It could be yep. even $4 million for one year. You right. know, I think that he just wants to hang on for that. Um, that one extra push to get it himself. He's right. under he's under the shadow of Tim Thomas, and, it, and it'll never end until he finally does it himself. And it mm-hmm. won't be as a backup. It has to be as a starter because uh, Boston Bruins fans are so spoiled, that, mm-hmm. and this would be right. just good for them. So, you know, if it happens, I'm sure that he'll take a cap-friendly deal to keep going to achieve something like that. If he's going to be greedy and says, I want what I make in my last eight years, then walk. Walk. There's plenty right. of free agents out there. Goaltenders now have been uh, the, uh, the slap shot sweethearts. You know those right. guys, those yep. ladies, right? I guess, yeah. Right. They have yep. a great uh, YouTube channel, and they were doing a, uh, a thing on goaltenders. And, and uh, the, the narrative was young goaltenders around 25 years old. And those mm-hmm. goaltenders right now are so plentiful that you can get for a short-term two, three right. million dollar deal and still get good value and good playing out of. So right. it, the market is going to dictate what happens to Tuka Rask in the future. I think that's true. And if you look at Braden Holpe, he's at like a little under five. He signed a deal. Uh, and then it was Hank, Hank Lundquist got you know, you know, obviously the one year, but he's he's going to be done. But you know, I think you might see it in a Holpe. I think you're right. I think you might see it in a Holpe, or at least the Bruins will come to the negotiating table saying this is what this is what you'd get uh, as far as goalie market value, especially in this climate financially. And uh, and they've been really, you know, cautious about giving out term uh, and and giving and the and you've seen the the average salaries plummet. You have so. Uh, and Rask being 34 at the time, or whatever he's going to be, um, yeah, you might see a one-year five million. And you know what? He may have to take something like that because I don't know if someone else, unless Colorado fails again and wants to make one real go at it and gives him six or seven even. Uh, but I don't know if that would happen because around the league, teams are really cognizant of their revenue and yeah. I, and and what they're going to spend on a 34-year-old goaltender. Just to, just to add to that, if 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 uh, all right, Colorado. Let's use that as an example. If Colorado wants to offer Tuka Rask seven million dollars, the Boston Bruins should not match. No, no, and I agree. You know, I agree because I agree. with 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 the available cap next season, which is uh, projected to be, I think, thirty six to thirty eight million. Right now, mm-hmm. we're at two point nine, two point eight. We're going to see additions. Are you going to see people that are going to want uh, that are going to be retained for the services in the future? But you're also going to be able to make a right wing addition, make another solid 
defensive addition. If you're not totally bought in on this youth movement on the back end, you have the right. availability in the cap to hammer the free agent market this offseason. And that goes for forward and defense. That's right. And you do. And you have, you know, Freddie Anderson. I'm just looking at some of the lists here. Uh, there's James Reimer. There's Jordan Bennington. You know, you have guys coming up as free agents. Uh, Pekka Rene, you know, he's 38. You know, but you have some, yeah, I mean, you have options out there you could trade. I mean, you have, you'll have a bunch of cap space. You'll have assets. You'll have young players. Um, there's an expansion draft coming up too. So, you, you know, whoever you add now, You'd have to protect or figure that out. I think you might see John Moore get moved, even if they retain all the salary. Like yeah. they're going to have to get rid of him because they can't. They can't. Uh, they can't just have him there unprotected. Like not being able to protect him because they're going to lose a good player. They need all the space, spots they can get, and that's one of the curses of having young players all come together and playing well uh, right now. And you don't want to lose a really good player in the expansion draft either. Um, but I think, I think Tuca, you know, now I think he may play one more year, but it's all predicated on the fact if they, if they win it, if they win it this year, I think he'll probably retire. I would think so. But, uh, if they don't, and if they get close, then he may try one whack at it. And he says he loves playing here. So he may take one year, 5 million. He may take whatever the market value is and say, okay, I'll play one more year and give it a go with a really good team one more time. You know, you never know. Right? They've they've gone with this nucleus before, like stretching it out as far as they can. Maybe they, if they come real close again, maybe they say with Krejci and Rask, let's go one more. You know, let's go one more and we'll give you one year apiece and let's try one more. Maybe their teammates convince them. You never know. A lot, a lot plays into it. Uh, but it'll be interesting because they really don't have anybody ready to go. And they'll have to go get someone but via trade or free agency to fill that spot or maybe both. So uh, it's something to definitely keep an eye on as we, as we keep going forward here. Bears watching. Uh, it does. I mean, it's a, it's a really good sort of story coming together here is what, what's going to happen uh, with the goaltending next year, because it is a little bit alarming. <laughs> what, what could, what could be um, next item on the agenda is who are the odd men out once this team is healthy? So David Pasternak coming back very soon. Andre Kasha is a little bit of a scary situation now with a concussion. He's had concussion history. Bruce Cassidy had an ominous um, evaluation of him, thought that he'd be out a while and wasn't quite sure, uh, took a nasty hit, and you know, hopefully he'll be back and ready to go. But when they are able to come back and be 100% healthy, um, I would have to think that Andres Bjork is the guy that's going to be the odd man out. You also have Carson Kuhlman, who's been, you know, I think he's been hurt or something. I don't know. Who knows? But he's sort of in the wings, too, as another guy. Uh, of course, Jack, Jack Studnicker is always on a game-per-game game watch. I mean, he's a young player um, who's still developing. He may hit a tough patch. It may work itself out because sometimes it does where it, where it eventually works itself out and a guy either gets hurt or he, or he starts to not play that well. And it's an easier decision than it looks like right now, but all being this, you know, all being said, I think that you would have to think that Andres Bjork, cause I don't think you can take Trent Frederick out you know, a week ago. People thought maybe, but I don't think you can do it now. And Andres Bjork has been not in the favor of Bruce Cassidy. So I think he'd be the first guy out, um, 
And uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mark? I'm actually going to refer to a tweet that a friend of the show, Dominic Tiano, who's a, a fantastic scout and he writes for the OHL writers. Um, he said, you're going to hate me, but barring injury, once Pasta and Kasha come back, we will see the end of Anders Bjork. Um, a couple things, a lot to unpack there, but he's got, Bjork's got to be working his way to stay on this lineup. And if he doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. Taxi squad him. I don't know if the waiver process because of this, this whole COVID thing that's going on with the NHL and the expanded rosters. I'm not, I'm not uh, totally privy on, on the whole aspect of all this stuff, which I should be when I'm sitting here trying to talk hockey with you. But um, it, it sucks to see a young kid like that struggle to stay in the lineup. But uh, when you have a, 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 a you know, highly profiled sniper, and that's what David Pasternak is these days, coming back into the lineup, looking good while he's uh, in the red shirt uh, with backhand moves and so on. The hip seems to be looking good, but it's going to need uh, a little more time to heal before he comes back in possibly late January, early February. But yeah, there's a lot of odd men out. And when you talk about Andre Kasha, I'm really not on the Andre Kasha uh, train as so many are. I think that he's had enough time to really show what he what he is. I don't think that he's shown completely what what he has. I know the injuries and so on. I'm not going to poke fun. We don't poke fun at, at people getting injured here. Uh, but what I see from the, his on ice, I know he shoots a lot and so on, uh, and I get that, but. I just don't see his addition into the lineup um, that relevant, to be honest. And I would rather see somebody that can stay in the lineup consistently, like Anders. I know his his past hasn't been so good with injuries himself, but I just want to see him get a little more time and, and, and boost a little more confidence. If it's on the fourth line, you add an element of speed on that fourth line, too, so... There's a lot of good and a lot of bad, but I just hate to see Anders get be the one that pushed out. But when it comes down to trade deadline and you need an asset, that's just something you seriously have to look at. And and if somebody's making calls, you got to answer the phone. You do, and I think it's another good. It's a it's a good move with foresight for Donnie to sign Bjork to a deal less than two million a year. I think it was for three years. So it really makes him attractive term and, and money-wise if a, if a rebuilding team wants to take a flyer on Indus Bjork. So I think there was some foresight there to say if it's not working out, we got him under term and it makes him a little more attractive. Uh, Fluto Shizawa uh, of The Athletic had a really good article a couple of days ago on the Bjork situation, had a long conversation with Cassidy. And Cassidy was about, you know, you just you need to have some sort of identity. Who are you? Are you a are you a grinder? Are you a puck? Are you a you know a puck hunter? Are you that type of guy? Or if you a skate around finesse guy? Or who are you? And if you're on the bottom six, you've got to be more of the physical, grind it out. Especially if you're playing with Coil and you're playing with you know Corrali. You, you you're not going to be if you're not playing up in the top two lines. Then you have to be more of a grinder possession in that type of situation to have the same identity as your as your line mates. And I think that that's really where Bjork. Uh, it's sort of been failing. And I think that Anton Bleed's another guy I forgot about. I forgot he was still in the organization. He's still a guy lurking in the mix, along with Carson Coleman. So I think they could move on from Bjork. Um, but again, whoever you take on in a deadline deal, you have to protect at the end of the year, unless it's a rental. 
Uh, I'd be okay with getting a rental for Bjork because I don't think they're losing all that much. I think they have enough depth as far as that type of player that they could send him for a rental. I'd be okay with that. Um, but again, you have to be aware of what, what are you taking on in term and value in return? And you have to protect that guy at the end of the year too, as far as the expansion draft is concerned. So it'd be interesting to see what happens and who I think Bjork is definitely someone though, that Cassidy is just not, uh, he's not in Cassidy's good favor right now. And that's usually, like I said, a kiss of death and it, and it doesn't usually turn around quickly. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Um, next item is the special teams overall. It's, uh, it's been really good. I mean, the power play continues to be excellent. Even without Parstenak, they they really move the puck well. I think they've really found something with the bumper in the last couple of seasons. Putting uh, Bergeron up there high really opens things up on the opposite side and also on the down or along the, the red line, around the goal line. Uh, and it's really good, uh, really good setup for them, I think, and their skill sets. So their power play has been good, and Nick Ritchie's been a big part of it. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about really that crazy. later. Yeah, it's really crazy. But I think overall, they've done a pretty good job. I think the defensemen have filled in okay. And again, you, you mentioned Shower and not really missing him that much. I, you know, I just don't think they miss Tory Krug that much. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just because I because I was in favor of them moving on from him. Maybe I'm just trying to support my decision. But I just don't think they do. And I don't. I mean, I don't. Do they? I don't know. Tell me if they do, Mark. I don't. I don't think they do. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, the first couple of games I was watching with the uh, with the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders, I was watching uh, Matt Grizzlick's minutes on the power play, and he was getting a significant amount of minutes on uh, on the man advantage. While McAvoy was getting really low, like r- rounding out like a minute thirty and a minute sixteen on some mm. games. Well, obviously that's changed with with Grizzly being out now, and McAvoy's power play one minutes have stepped up. And I got to tell you something: you're talking about the bumper position and and half wall and so on. When you're looking at the back end, I thought he, I think he's been fantastic in that role uh, on the power play one and moving the puck around laterally, getting close to the net. Um, his skating has been really good. I've seen a really really big improvement in Charlie McAvoy's game. Uh, aggressiveness and the way he moves. So a uh, lot of good things coming from him. But yeah, I mean, special teams, you know, I mean, this has been a Boston Bruins team that has relied on the man advantage for so long as their, as their primary scoring to win games. And you just can't do that. It's got to come by committee five on five. Um, you cannot rely on winning games on power plays because you never know if you're going to get a yeah. call or not. That's, right. that's, a, that's a huge gamble right there. So um, no, a lot of great things from from the power play, special teams. The penalty kill has been really good. It's just we're starting to see a lot of um, uh, players coming together and and playing mm-hmm. because this is you know it, it might look like the same team, but when you add several additions, uh, younger youth and so on, it's going to take time to build that chemistry. So a lot of good things coming on the power play and special teams, and hopefully it continues. It's going to be a short season, but it's still early enough to create those those bonds when you want to um, get together and you need to you know step up that energy level um, uh, taking advantage of moments so yeah and one of the things I've noticed in, in the analytics talk about the data is that Kevin Miller and, and Jakobs Borrell have played a ton of offensive zone draws 
and not as many defensive zone draws, which I find fascinating because <laughs> I don't consider Miller an offensive player. I thought he'd be more of a getting a lot of the defensive faceoffs. And Charlie McAvoy doesn't get as many as those guys do. So the offensive faceoffs, and I don't know if it's just uh, if you lose it, then you're in a bad spot or that type of thing. I don't know if they're just being conservative in those, but the analytics are pretty pretty heavily toward Miller and Sborrell getting those offensive zone draws. And I'm not sure how to really read into that. I mean, I know Zborrell has been, you know, done doing a pretty good job offensively and moving the puck and that sort of thing. And you don't want to put him in a lot of defensive positions, probably as a young player, maybe that's it. And you want to have Charlie in there, you know, as a defensive, you know, and Carlo, obviously, you know, back there, but they have been in a lot of offensive zone draws, uh, to the to the point of like seventy percent or something like something really really high. So I, it was an interesting fact that I saw recently. Um, and the next item is the secondary scoring and and you know secondary scoring. Obviously, every good team needs secondary scoring. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning have tremendous second secondary scoring, and they won the cup. And the Bruins did when they won the cup. And uh, and Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith are going to be a great tandem. You could just feel it coming into the year, and it's starting to really come to fruition. Just finding the right left wing for them. You know, the other winger is is the key, I think. And if, if they don't have to move Smith or Coyle around and tinker with the lines too much, if they can keep them right there in the third line, they're going to win third line battles every single seat, every single game. You know, they're going to beat the other team's third line or whatever that case is, third or fourth line, all the time. I mean, that's a really high end third line. And uh, Coyle and Smith were terrific last night. And as I mentioned before, Coyle has been a great addition. In the fourth line, I love with Wagner and Corrali. Corrali's a free agent at the end of the year. That'll be an interesting guy going to the negotiating table as well. Usually they don't give a lot of love to nope. fourth liners. Nope. And Especially ones on that have been them. around for a while. Look at right. the trend. Yeah. Look at yeah. the kid from yeah. New Hampshire right. yeah. and, and Nola Chari. Yeah. Yep. Look at Timmy Schaller. Yeah, I mean, that's going the one. Backwards. Yeah, Timmy Schaller, yeah. I mean, they always cut bait uh, as you get. I think they like to keep them like in that a million and a half range. Yeah, at least, and when they want know. more money, it's just, it's time to cut ties. Yeah. We we have right, those yeah. plug and plays down in Providence. Right, right. And I think that they rely heavily on that. I think that's that's obviously an organizational philosophy. And I think that Corrales going to be somewhere else. And um, another guy to look at if it starts to go south or something happens and they're not – and they realize they're not going to make it this year. Corrales, a guy at the deadline to take a to take a look at as someone who could be dealt for someone who thinks they can re-up him and put him maybe in a in, a, in more of a role uh, further up the chart. But um, you know, secondary scoring has been great, and um, you know, with Pasta coming back, obviously everybody will be able to fit in to where they're more likely to play for the year. I'm really looking forward to seeing. You know, the four lines going at it for multiple games in a row. Um, and the secondary scoring mark has been a really good sign for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like the, the Sasquatch. Like, we haven't seen it in so long, you know. Right, and, right. And, and, and and five on five scoring, we haven't seen that Sasquatch either. But right. things are starting to come together. Chemistry is being built, as I said. Probably going to use chemistry a lot this year because we're seeing so many different members of this Boston Bruins team that have just been plugged in and they're contributing. They're really mm-hmm. contributing and you can see the, well, he's not very 
he doesn't show too much excitable emotion on it, but the words that Bruce Cassidy does say about these insertions of younger members is a positive thing to hear. It really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if they can contribute and so on, mixed with a heavy dose of veteran leadership on this team, I mean, my projections of just making the playoffs might be blown out of proportions with a long run to a Stanley Cup. I, I hope so. Let's hope so. As a Boston Bruins fan, I'd die right. for that. I mean, right. two cups in my generation, feed that in my veins. Right. right. You know, right. it's like, yeah. give it to me. But you've right. got to like what you're seeing so far. And I just want to mm-hmm. bring it in. Um, I'll save it for when we talk about the upcoming games. But um, we should probably, uh, unless you had something to add, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I just think that as a whole, I think it's it's encouraging. You know, the secondary scoring is already there. And, and maybe having Pasta out and being able to figure this out without him is a good thing and something that can carry on as he comes back. And, and now guys have sort of found their mojo, and now it's just smooth sailing from here, hopefully. So, I know, uh, but that's all I really want to say about it. I know that in this 56-game you know, con- congested season and we're playing teams just in our division, but I do want to point out that these two wins against the Philadelphia Flyers – Continue a 14-game consecutive home game streak. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They've gotten points in 14 games mm. against the Flyers wow. at home. Wow. So yeah. that's a nice little little benefit yeah, right there when you're really playing well a team six yeah. more times. Right. That's very true. I mean, Washington's the one, the one team that I think has been a thorn in their side in this division. But across the board, they've done well against the Rangers, Flyers. They've done fairly well against the Islanders here and there. Uh, you know, I, I just think that they're pretty much, unless something disastrous happens, I think they should win this division. I thought so before, and I think so still. So, uh, so it looks like it's break time. It is, and we're going to hear yep. from uh, Bruce Sullivan from the Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Um, guys, this is a place you need to go. If you're on Facebook, check out the Facebook group. He's got the details coming up in the mid-break uh, commercial. But this is where we get all our hand-signed jerseys that are fully authentic- uh, authenticated and uh, signed pictures and other great um, uh, Boston Bruins memorabilia. Uh, really good stuff and a really reasonable price. If you want to upgrade your fan cave for uh, black and gold everywhere, this is the place to go. So we'll hear from Bruce and we'll be right back. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. This week at Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, we have a pair of beautiful hand-signed Bobby Orr 22 by 26 Deluxe Special Edition photo displays. You have your choice of Bobby Color Action Shot for $269 or the iconic The Goal Flying Stanley Cup Game Winner from 1970 for $279. Both feature deluxe, custom, black and gold suede matting custom nameplates, and Great North Road America, Bobby's own company, Hologram and Matching Hologram COA. For more information on the dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces, including those from this Saturday's exclusive private signing with Bruins enforcer Terry O'Reilly, and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check out our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at Boston Sports and Music 
at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! Hey Bruins fans, we are back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We just heard from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Again, please send him an email if you want some Bruins stuff for your fan cave, a gift for your loved ones, or, or a buddy. You want to buy something for the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, send it to Matt and myself. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Bruce, he, Bruce does a great job and he does private signings. He's got one coming up with Terry O'Reilly. So, check it out. I'm sure he's going to talk about that uh, in future videos. But um, yeah, check it out. So, um, let's get back to the agenda. Absolutely. So, upcoming, I, I'm sorry, before we get into this week's games, I do have to apologize to one Nick Ritchie. Because last week I went on and on about how I thought he, uh, I think I used the term suck, and uh, he was not providing what they wanted or needed, and that needed to cut bait from him and so forth. And Bruce Cassidy actually had some really interesting comments a couple of games ago about Richie, you know, just not being able to find his footing because he was acquired by the team and then COVID struck and went to the bubble and he just didn't really find his bearings. Uh, with the team and and his confidence was a little shaken and just trying to adapt to his new team and the pressures that play in Boston and a cup contender. And Cassidy was a little bit of a prophet because since then, Richie has really, in these last couple of games here, has really provided an offensive presence that you could argue did you know help break that dam. You know, he, he was going to the net. He, he had a couple of goals. He had a beautiful pass on the power play. He's getting power play minutes. I mean, he had a beautiful pass on the power play to Marchand, who sniped a goal from across ice. You know, he's getting to the, the first goal by Bergeron. He knocked the puck loose, getting to the front of the net, getting the goalie's face, and Bergeron knocked it in. That's the type of play they need from him. So I will give a cautious up apology to Nick Ritchie. I want to see it continue. But I will say that I apologize for being so harsh. I was passionate and I was frustrated. And I still want to see this from him going forward. And it's this is a temporary apology because <laughs> if it goes back the other way, I'll, I'll go right back on the bandwagon. But, Mark, Nick's been, Nick Ritchie's been really, really good. Yeah, and you know, listen, I'm not gonna let you go down alone, man. I was not on the rich. I was, <laughs> right. I was definitely on the Richie Titanic, and uh, you know, and you know, listen, he's been playing good. He's got, he's rejuvenated mm. his game. He's found a niche in this in this Boston Bruins lineup, mm. and he's gaining trust from Bruce Cassidy and coaching staff, which is obviously positive. So it's mm. all, it's it's all real good things. But like you said, it's just a, this is just a game five. We could see Nick Richie right. show up in game ten. And we'll all be back on, you know, on the uh, this is not a good idea train. Um, mm-hmm. But what you, what he's done so far has been really impressive. And I'll, I'll eat another shoe, um, sure. you know, but it, it's got to continue. It's got to be by committee. And what we're seeing right now is just is really positive moving forward from him. Um, power play minutes. I was like, holy crap. Uh, you know, it's just yeah. and uh, and right. I saw a tweet earlier today or, or was it last night? Uh, that you know, Nick Ritchie should be the seventh player award as of right now. So, and that's not a bad little freaking that's, accolade that's to, to, to mention, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a good point because he he has been above and beyond what we thought he'd be even after the first game. I mean, he showed a little bit of flash, but he still didn't really seem to to buy into to, to the physical play that we were looking for uh, as a team and the reason why he was acquired. But I think he's been, you know, he's been really good. And I think he might be reaping the benefits of Pasternak not being around because he's able to play up in the power play unit and, and play with some guys who are talented, you know, some play, talented centers. And, and now you might be able to slot him with Coyle and Smith and be able to put Frederick down on that good fourth line that you mentioned, Mark. And then, you know, then you have something, I think, you know, if, you know, Richie Coyle and Smith could really, if, if Richie's playing this way, could really be an intriguing line. And, uh, you know, that we talked about secondary score, secondary scoring and, and, you know, depth throughout the four lines, and that would create really good four lines on this team. If he had Richie, I don't want to put him up in the top six because I still think he's that's out of his realm. I think it puts too much pressure on him. I think I, I want to see DeBrus stay there. And obviously the top line stays there. And as, as long as Jack Stadnika can continue to develop, I think there's no real rush to put Richie any further than he is now. But if you keep him right out there on that third line with Coyle and Smith, um, where I thought Bjork would play and do well, but he hasn't. But I think Richie's sliding in there. I think it's uh, I think it's really an intriguing line going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think he's he's been he's been good, and hopefully, like you just said, five games in. So let's not you know, let's not put the number up on the banners. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's been a really good sign that maybe that was a not as bad a move as we thought, and and he makes you know he makes short money, you know. So that's a if anything from him, what he's doing now, or even a little bit better than now, is gravy. Yeah. You know? So, so hopefully that continues. We'll definitely so, see. We're definitely seeing the better Richie. <laughs> oh, we're definitely seeing the better Richie. <laughs> I mean, last year, I mean, it's just the, the whole, you know, just not, just not winning pucks and just not creating the physicality. And then he had that disaster in the postseason where he took penalties and he went completely the other way, being like a goon on the ice, like. You know, it's just he just couldn't find his way. And I think Cassidy's comments were valid. And I think it was a good point. And I think now you're seeing and and obviously the coaching staff has been working with Richie because if they notice it, if Cassidy says it, then they've been noticing it and probably talking with Richie about it. And credit goes to the staff again. You know, it's a good coaching staff. You know, they 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 really coach the players well. It's a well coached team, you know, and and I think that they've done a good job with Richie here, and hopefully it continues. Uh, big week coming up this week. Two with the Penguins, and then one with the Capitals. The Penguins games are at home Tuesday and Thursday. Penguins have one more game before they play the Bruins. They play tonight against the Rangers. They're 3-2. and two. They won all three games in either overtime or shootout. Uh, they lost their first two games handily to the Flyers, and it looked like it was going to be a disaster of a season. I don't love their defense. I think the Bruins should be able to score goals, especially at home. The Bruins have historically done well against the Penguins. I don't know what it is, but they've they've handled the Penguins over the years. Uh, I think it should continue here as with the Bruins playing the way they are, and I just think they're better than the Penguins now. Uh, Crosby's obviously still a threat, you know, a threat and a you know something to be reckoned with. But I do like the Bruins to win these couple of games, and then. And then the Capitals game in Washington will be a good 
you know, good barometer for where they are as well. But I look for the Bruins to continue success against the Penguins. Yeah. And, you know, looking at these three games, um, you know, you got Washington at the top at five games. Uh, they're three, oh, and two. And um, they are uh, undefeated. Well, yeah, three, oh, and two. They're undefeated uh, at home and on the road. They have two road games. So that's uh, Bears watching a little bit. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguin games on Tuesdays and Thursday. Uh, the Penguins are three and two. They are currently three and zero at home, but they're zero and two on the road. So you got the right. next two games to uh, possibly get this Boston Bruins team to uh, get a nice little uh, home streak going and and, and kept going. Um, but when you look at the schedule coming up, this is the um, it's in the. Um, in the wheelhouse of uh, the COVID thing that happened down in Washington. Right. I think that the Bruins are going to fare well against the prop, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they didn't come off of a high of playing um, the Philadelphia Flyers that they did the past two games and then come to a team that's kind of struggling midway through their division, their new division right now with the Penguins team. But um, don't play down to that type of level and get yourself in chances that you're going to lose. So continue right. the momentum that you've got from these, especially from the last four periods that the Boston Bruins have played. Um, right. But the Washington game and and the front runner in your Mass Mutual East Division is going to be interesting because there's going to be players that are not going to be involved in this game. So you right. you need to take advantage of that. Alex Ovechkin's not going to be there. Uh, Kuznetsov's not going to be there. Right. The goalie right. Samsonov's not going to be right. there. And right. if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Backstrom. It might be, yeah, it might be back. He's not yeah. going to be there. So yeah. there's a big chunk of that lineup that's not going to be around when the right. Boston Bruins travel to Washington on Saturday. So that should be interesting. And um, if I'm not mistaken, yes, looking at the uh, standings right now in the Mass Mutual East, if the Boston Bruins win these games coming up, you could solidify that spot in the as 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 the top team in that division. So that's really good playing in under 10 games it is it is true and i think that you know again i i don't think the coming into the season i don't think the penguins are much of a threat and especially against the bruins i think the bruins do well against them i see the bruins you know playing pretty well these two games at home and then like you said they're, they're hit, hitting the capitals at the right spot as long as nothing happens covid wise or with injury wise with this bruins team I think they go in with a relatively healthy team and they have a real shot at beating Washington on the road uh, and having a 3-0 and week. It's a real good chance of it. Uh, the COVID situation was, you know, these Capitals players you mentioned breaking protocol. And Brad Marchand was very vocal about how they were disrespecting the game and, and disrespecting their teammates. And really, uh, he was pretty vocal about how the Bruins have had to stick to the protocol and done. And, you know, I think the Bruins have done a really good job of this. You know, I think they, last year we had a little hiccup in the beginning of the bubble where it really wasn't said, but Kasha and Pasternak, there was something there. And I don't know exactly what it was. Oh, but, North End. Uh, yeah. Some do, doing something early on. <laughs> but a, a, after that, I think they learned their lesson. The Bruins have been really good with it. And, uh, and obviously, with Marchand being as vocal as that, they're obviously taking it seriously. So I think that was a good sign by Marchand because he didn't have to say anything, but he did really say some pretty harsh words about it. Uh, and Ovechkin's one of the guys, you know, and that's that was a real um, 
you know, eye opener that the Capitals really didn't take it very seriously. The teammates and 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 Marchand made those comments. I thought that was a good sign for Bruins fans that the Bruins are really taking it seriously enough well, to enough to be vocal. To to dovetail on what you're talking about and taking things seriously, I think they're taking it seriously now. Um, previously, when when training camp was happening and the beginning of the regular season was going on. I don't think some of these Boston Bruins players were, in fact, taking it that seriously because of the fact is that um, social media, you see a lot of things. And uh, I saw I saw um, fans and autographs being given away that needed to stop. And I think it has stopped. Um, This is this is a freaking pandemic. Please autograph and selfie hounds. Stay home. Come back in October when everything is 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 better for everybody. Do not put the do not expect a player to stop at the Warrior Ice Arena or even Marlboro, which we'll talk about later, to get an autograph. Because what you're doing is you're putting them in a very bad situation, which can turn into a bad situation for the team. Now, this whole rant of mine has since been somewhat taken care of. Um, security has been beefed up at Warrior. They're n- now uh, players are not, they're driving right by. When they used to, for, uh, like a couple weeks ago, would roll down their window and, and, and autograph a puck, and there was hand transmission. It's just like, come on, we need to be better about this, not only as players, and please, I'm not shitting on the players for doing anything. I understand that it's hard to just roll your window up and drive by and to think about what that fan is thinking about at that particular time. But it's a pandemic. We all have to think about the right thing to do. So and that's true. Yes. You I know, think it's true. One person could ruin this season. And I'm I'm sorry I'm frustrated with this, but when I see it on social media, I just don't understand. Whether you're wearing a mask or not, do not put these players in such a vulnerable position like this. Players should just roll the window up and say See you in October and just keep driving. (laughs) It is true. And I think that, yeah, the, the, the fans, you know, it's hard when you have largely a lot of young players in the league and they, I I really don't think that they believe it's real serious to them personally. So when you have young people, they, they think there's a little bit of immortality that goes with that. And, and, you know, they want, they're young, they want to do things and be social and go places. And uh, it's hard to really corral them and, you know, stick them in one place and say, you can't go here or there or, or anywhere. But the one nugget you have is you can say, look, if you want to play hockey, you'll do these things. Exactly. And that's really what it comes down to. If you want to keep playing hockey and if you want fans to come back in sooner than later, if you want fans, say, by the end of the season, then you need to start, you need to do these things. You need to take it seriously so that, so that the protocols can lessen and you can, you can have fans in there and you can finish the season. I'll tell so you something a, right now. If, if, um, if the league ever did any little investigation back then, this, the team would have gotten the same thing, a hundred thousand dollars for breaking protocol. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want to do that. Just please no. stay home. You know, right. the players aren't going anywhere. You're probably not going anywhere. Just wait till October when we all are vaccinated. It's all healthy to do so. And then I'm sure that these Boston Bruins will gladly roll their window down and give you an autograph. But until then, let's just be safe, folks. And be smart. This is actually really dumb. And I'm sorry to say that. And I don't care if some of these people are listening. I mean, I do. I appreciate your support and everything. But 
I don't appreciate the fact that you're ta- possibly taking away something that I enjoy or thousands of Bruins Nation members enjoy on a regular basis when we're going through shit like this. And we mm. need this outlet to, to, you know, to not worry about what's going on outside of our walls in these worldwide times. You know, it's mm. good that we're having hockey right now. Let's keep it going. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the point is that we want to keep playing hockey, and there's no real room for error because the schedule is still pretty jam packed. Where if you can't postpone three or four games in a row, I mean it's just not it's not like the NFL where you can move a game to Tuesday or Wednesday and only have one game a week. It's really difficult to navigate through the season if you can you know if you're going to postpone four or five games you know because of an outbreak. So it's something to be aware of for sure. Uh, next item is the AHL releases their 2021 regular season schedule. Providence Bruins will kick off the year playing 26 games starting on February the 5th. And this is good news for you, Mark. You're an AHL guy or prospect guy. And seeing that these players can have a schedule to play is going to be uh, a really good thing for them and their development. Absolutely. And I got to give huge shout outs to Around the A podcast. Uh, uh, David Foote and Patrick Williams, two great hosts that know a lot about the American Hockey League and what's going on, particularly in pandemic times. Uh, Patrick's been doing these unbelievable tweet threads of information that I've liked and retweeted because I wanted to keep for my writings. And if there's something he says that I could add to my articles, I'm definitely going to do it when it concerns the Providence Bruins. But no, this is an, this is awesome. The, uh, the American Hockey League released a schedule yesterday, uh, I'm sorry, Friday at noon. And the Providence Bruins will play in, in a division with four teams. I originally wrote an article, uh, I think it was a week ago, that it was going to be a three-team division uh, between the Providence Bruins, the... Um, Bridgeport Sound Tigers, which is the uh, the New York Islanders affiliate, the Hartford Wolf Pack, which is the New York Rangers affiliate. Now the league has brought in one more team, the Utica Comets, and that is the affiliate for the um, uh, Vancouver Canucks. So now there's four teams and not three. So 26 games times four, it's not so bad. You're not going to be playing uh, a team. Uh, you know, 10 times and so on, which is regular in the American Hockey League because of the travel schedule and travel expenses uh, expenses and so on and, and keeping those minimal. Um, it's not out of the ordinary during a regular pre-COVID regular season that you would see Bridgeport 10 or 12 times or Hartford 10 or 12 times. So it's really not that bad, but I'm actually looking forward to watching uh, on AHL TV um, there's going to be no fans. I'm not going to cover the games as a media member. Uh, that's by choice. I, uh, I'm just going to wait till the 21-22 um, uh, season uh, comes around uh, to, to do my coverage down there and travel. I just I want to wait for my shot, um, and I just want to be, you know, with everybody else that has done the same thing and be just healthy traveling by train and whatever. But um, no, I'll be watching and streaming. So follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can see where I'm at, and if you want to follow for American Hockey League coverage, we do all that stuff. So um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how the, the teams play in the Marlboro facility. The Providence Bruins will not be at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island uh, for home games. It's still 
a COVID um, like uh, hospital uh, per the state of uh, Rhode Island. So all home games will be at the New England Sports Center in Marlboro, Massachusetts, which is owned by the Providence Bruins owner, uh, LaRue Renfro. So it should be fun, nice. and I'm looking forward to it. And this is um, it's going to be good because these some of these kids that did not make the taxi squad are going to be uh, getting into games and and mm-hmm. starting to get stretched to the legs and so on. So and um, you know it's good to be back uh, with the AHL. Uh, that is officially kicking off on the fifth of uh, February, so it's just a it's just a short nice. time away. So definitely, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for it. And and thanks to like again, thanks to uh, Patrick Williams and David Foote, the Around the A podcast. They are just a, a boatload of information that just helps other media members like myself uh, get the stuff that we need to know and 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 out there to to our followers. So good stuff. Yeah, it is. It's it's good to have the HL back, and hopefully, minor league hockey can can get through this situation and get back to being healthy financially and and being able to have a, a full season in twenty one twenty two and with with fans back and is able to uh, survive. You know this this whole situation for sure, especially the teams who aren't funded by their their parent club for, for sure. Like the Providence uh, Bruins. Like the Providence Bruins, right? And that's, I mean, that's let's listen. It's no surprise that that they aren't, but uh, hopefully they can they can do that. Next item is this uh, interesting uh, numbers game here: eleven, twelve, and thirteen line. Uh, is that's the first time the Bruins have had a line with three straight numbers since the seventeen, eighteen, nineteen line of Lucic, Horton, and Sagan. So it was a it was an interesting, um, you know, interesting stat. That, that came out uh, the other day that they have a line that's 11, 12, 13, and it's Frederick and and Coyle and Smith. Uh, and again, they were terrific. I mean, they were really, really good, and I'm really excited to see them play this week, particularly against a team like the Penguins, who I just don't think are very good defensively, and I think that they're going to possess the puck and really wreak havoc against the Penguins uh, for sure. Okay, all right. I'm lost here, Matt. All right. So, the, so the line is. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know 17 is Luch. Yep. 18 was Horton. And 19 was Sagan. Sagan. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Horton was yeah. a center. Yeah, well, Sagan. Oh was no, no, a no. That's right. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at it. A lot. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm looking at it because it says 17, 18. Yeah, 19, yeah. Right? Okay. All right. But Sagan was the center, right? Like yeah. That. So it's it's. Uh, It'll yeah, it's, it was it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting string of numbers for a line. That is pretty funny, though. Yeah, it is. It kind of reminds me because I'm I'm an LA Kings fan because uh, because okay. the Manchester Monarchs were up in Manchester, New Hampshire, oh, okay. and it's it's sense. only forty minutes, uh, forty miles away from me. Right and, and Providence used to play up there like twelve times, so I go up there all the time. But um, it reminded me of the seventies line, and they used to because uh, they got it off of the seventies show. It was Tyler Toffoli. It was um, oh, I can't remember his name now, and somebody else, and Tanner Pearson, Tyler Toffoli, Tanner oh, Pearson, okay. and um, uh, Jeff Carter. Jeff, Jeff Carter. Carter. They okay. were all right. they were all seventies numbers, and somebody came out with uh, that seventies line. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that it is, is pretty really cool. cool. <laughs> that is cool. That really is. I used um, to love that show. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good show. It really was. It was a really funny show. Um, so yeah, so the eleven, twelve, thirteen line. We'll see it again here uh, this week and see if they can continue. But they had an instant chemistry, and Frederick really adds another piece of you know physical and grinding and. Uh, they possess the puck tremendously, Smith. And, and, of course, Smith shoots the puck really well. 
they complement each other. They seem really, really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing, as long as the fourth line doesn't take a hit by by bringing Frederick off it, because you had those analytics. They were pretty pretty shocking analytics that they were as, as good a line as any really in the league. Uh, and you, you don't really want to tinker with that too much, but if, if Frederick, like you said, you can get a guy to play the fourth line, if Frederick is going to provide a really solid third line like that, then I'm, I'm in on that for sure. Um, next item is the Columbus blue jackets finally traded to disgruntled center, Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, and they traded him to the, uh, to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine. And it was, I thought it was a trade that Columbus absolutely won 100%. I saw a tweet out of a, of a shift that Pierre-Luc Dubois finally had after sitting. John Tortorella sat him a whole game, finally put him out there, and he gave no effort. He oh. skated around and then completely had a chance to fight for a puck and didn't do it. And then skated back to the bench. It was embarrassing. And I even tweeted out that it was embarrassing. Um, the question here was, so the Bruins have been interested. And I want to say that that situation, seeing that on the ice and just seeing the whole thing develop with Dubois and how disgruntled he was and how he gave up on his teammates was is 100% what I do not want. I mean, I, I don't care how talented you are. If you have that in you and in your personality to be that way, I don't. I don't want you. I don't want you on the team, and I don't think he's as good as Line. A. I mean, I think, I think getting Line a, if they can sign him, I think that was a score for Columbus without a doubt. If he can play with Tortorella and he resigns, it's a score big time. And Dubois is talented, and he's young. He's a center, but I no thanks. I mean, who are you going to give up for him? You're not going to give up McAvoy or Pasternak or Kevin Paul Dupont. I don't know if you saw this. Tweet oh, it did. out. I did. Would you would you trade David Pasternak for Pierre Luc Dubois? Oh my God! No. Oh no, for Patrick Liney. I'm sorry, yeah, it was for yeah, Patrick yeah. Liney. For Patrick Liney, and I don't look. I think Liney's a really good player, a dynamic player, but Pasternak's one of the best goal scorers in the league. Exactly. You know, at 24 years old. No, and he's taking a contract that's terrific. That's like below market value by a lot. You know, it's an invested in the team. No, that doesn't make you better. Like that doesn't that doesn't make you better at all. I don't think Dubois would have either. So, I mean, are you the are you were you thinking the Bruins should or or is that something the Bruins should have done or could have used? I don't think so. But I don't know what your thoughts on that were. This was like the first trade of two disgruntled players right, <laughs> that I've ever right. seen uh, right. in my time of watching the NHL or following it. But um. I, I I would say Columbus definitely won this, but uh, bringing it back to a, a Boston Bruins uh, perspective when, on this topic, uh, a lot of Bruins fans were um, in on this, uh, saying that he's 22 years old, he's a good player, uh, he's good for the now and the future, but for me, the Boston Bruins are very high on character, and wh- what they saw, uh, you know, in the games that he wasn't trying, that he was being sat. There was definitely turmoil between him and John Tortorella. Um, it just puts a bad taste in my mouth. And the reason why I'm saying that is because what it, the Boston Bruins, if they did make a, a trade for um, Dubois, then you're giving up a lot of assets. You, I, I, I would say as far as a Jack Sedica, a possible prospect, and a first-round pick. 
That was pretty much the going rumor that would be, and I just said, no, I'm not for that because that really addresses the winning now and puts you 10 steps behind on winning in the future, in my opinion. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and here's the thing. He did sign a two-year deal with Columbus, and then it was it was pretty much like that's the attractive thing for other teams when you're trying to make a trade sure. is if you right. have some term, it's leverage. Right. right. So he signs a deal, then does this whole thing, and they move him. So if he comes to Boston and he's here for this year and here for next year, and he's not happy... What's to say he's not going to do the same shit that he did in Columbus yeah. Yeah, in Boston? And it's going to be a, and it's going to be a mess. So, yeah. so just real quick to touch up on this, I know we're getting up against it, but there's so many different avenues than just making a trade f- for the trade's sake. The Bruins are very character-driven and so on. How are you going to be in that room? How are you going to be on that ice? And how is your cap number going to be managed? Are all factors that you have to take in instead of just saying, we need this, he's young, he's this and that. No, you have to look at other avenues of, um, of how trades are made. And, it, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure that shit out. No, it doesn't. And I just don't, I'm, I'm with you on it. I, I just, that, that whole, how he handled that is just a, alarming to me. I just, and I don't think he's that super talented. I know he was a top pick and, and all that, and he was a what third pick or whatever it was. But I just don't know if any amount of talent in the world, when you act like that, it just it's a character thing with me. I mean, if you're not happy, that's fine. But there's a professionalism that you still need to have. Did you? And you still need to go out and play. Did you hear what Yarmo Kekalainen said, the uh, GM of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets? No. He no. said when that year when these both were drafted, we wanted Patrick Lyon A anyways. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. Well, these guys, and, and I think they fleeced them. I mean, they got they got a, a good young defenseman too. Yeah, and and they traded him in a third rounder. I mean, I just thought I just thought Columbus if they can sign Line A and get him playing, you know, and invested with Tortorella, which is always a risk because Tortorella is a, a you know he's a he's a one of a kind. But if he can, if that mixes and he can play well under him. It's it's a it's a win going away for sure. Um, next item is our, per our new BNG writer and Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scout Craig Eagles, who we're happy to have at BlackAndGoldHockey.com for sure. Brad Marchand passes Glenn Murray in all-time points scored by Nova Scotia-born players. He's now fourth all-time. He passed Glenn Murray, former Bruin, on the list. So Brad Marchand from Nova Scotia is the fourth all-time points getter in the NHL of Nova Scotia-born players. And Glenn Murray was a really good player. Muzz. I mean, I look back at his numbers. Muzz was so good. I mean, he was really good. He In, in today's NHL, he'd be making tons of money. I mean, he, he, he had some years where he scored a ton of goals, and they had good teams. They just didn't. You know, they, they were bounced early in, in the playoffs and they had some teams that were that underachieved ultimately. But he he was Muzz was a good player. He was a good goal scorer. Uh, he had all the tools. And he I remember he, when he came in to the league, it was he was the next Cam Neely. Like they they you know, they will always do that. And they did that with him. They said he's gonna be the next Cam Neely power forward, scores goals and and he did it largely for a lot of he has his stats were pretty impressive i mean he doesn't get enough credit for being a really really good player but marshan is an elite player and continues to show it and that snipe he had in the last game 
was his typical off foot wrist shot goal, uh, great accuracy. He's become a very, very good goal scorer in the league. Yeah, I sure. mean, Carter Hart looked like a junior player he again. <laughs> he did. I mean, there was a lot of room there. I mean, Carter was all wound up. I mean, he was all messed up. Oh, yeah. And then he smashed his stick and put a, pulled a hex doll, like you said, off air. Like, he's just smashing his stick and, and taking a hissy fit. And sometimes when that happens, you tend to wonder where a goalie's head's at. He may have to, may have to sit next game and just gather himself because the Bruins – like you said, ten was it ten goals in four periods or something? Yeah, like they yeah, just they absolutely. just they just assaulted them. And hey, cons- uh, concerning yeah. what Craig Eagles uh, did, right? I'm um, actually working on the article today. We're recording this on um, January. Uh, what's this? Twenty third or twenty fourth? Uh, today's twenty fourth. All right, so the twenty fourth. We're recording this. I'll have that ready. It'll be available on Boston Bruins. Sorry, blackandgoldhockey.com, The website that's blackandgoldhockey.com. Uh, it'll be available tomorrow as soon as Monday to check it out. And, uh, yeah, Craig went in depth with some, uh, mentions of other, uh, Nova Scotians that have, um, have, uh, been in the league in the previous years and done some pretty cool things point wise. That's great. Uh, another thing we wanted to tell you about is you want to watch this morning brew morning BRU on YouTube with Billy Jaffe and Andrew Raycroft. I watched it the other day. And what they'll do is in the morning after a game, they'll sort of recap the game in a 20, 30 minute uh, little snippet about the game and recap uh, just over some morning coffee. And it, it, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's just, it's not too long. It's, it's just a good recap of their thoughts on the game. And I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. And you want to check that out on YouTube and, uh, Mark, did you see that? It was it was it was really good from those two. Absolutely, I'm a huge fan of both of those guys. Um, and you know, when Billy Jaffrey was uh, working with uh, Joe McDonald and Fluto Shinzawa on the uh, on their podcast through the Athletic, I was I was completely bought in on stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, it was a very good good video by those two. I highly suggest you go and 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 uh, subscribe. I believe there's a podcast coming out too. I thought I saw something on Twitter yeah, about yeah. that. So uh, Jaffe's getting back into the podcasting thing, which is awesome. Feed that in you know, my veins too, because I'm just all sure. ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good to have other um, uh, outlets like that that are that are so close to the team, like those two, with Andrew being a an analyst on Nesson and 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 Billy Jaffe on Nesson as well. So. Uh, those guys are, are really close to the Boston Bruins team, and they give you those opinions um, from uh, the level that they're at, which is is fantastic in my opinion. So uh, I can't wait to watch episode two. Is episode two was out this morning, uh, but after as soon as we're done recording this, and uh, as I'm editing it, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, and it's really good, and I, I really I highly recommend it. Subscribe to that on YouTube. It's called Morning Brew with Billy Jaffe and Andrew Raycroft. And another item, another podcast to mention, 98.5, the Sports Hub podcast, Bruins, uh, with Bob Beers and Judge Surratt. We're doing an interview series celebrating 10th anniversary of the cup-winning team. It's been 10 years. Isn't that something? It's crazy. 10 years. It's crazy. funny how, I mean, time just goes by. But 2011 team winning the cup and, and Bob Beers and Judd Surratt are going to be doing an interview series celebrating that cup team. Uh, earlier this year, one of the real good highlights, I thought, was was a 2011 team doing that Zoom. Uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was so fun but together. awkward at the it same was, time. <laughs> it was awkward. It was. At times, they were just kind of staring at each other, and then they'd crack a joke or they'd rip on a guy. It was funny. I don't it think really Horton fun. said a... F- 
freaking word. I don't think he did either. Not with yeah. Sagan in the house. No, no, that's true. <laughs> oh, that is true. Um, but yeah, you want to check that out too with Bob Beers and, and Judge Surratt. Beers, he does a good job too. I've always liked Beers uh, in his analysis. Uh, God, I remember him going back to the Maine Mariners days. Yeah, oh yeah. Jeez. Maine Mariners, yeah. Way when back. it was a Bruins affiliation, not the Flyers. That's right, that's right. When he was, yeah. And he and he was on that, uh, what was it, the 90 team? 1990, I think, one of yep. those cup finals teams. Yeah. Uh, it was a good, you know, sort of stay-at-home defenseman for them. Um, and now the, the National Women's Hockey League in the, in the wubble, <laughs> the bubble, uh, the Twitch. Actually, I saw that they had yesterday their first game in a, a slew of games on Twitch that they had about, uh, I thought I saw, was it 800 and was 87,000 fall, 87,000 viewers, I think, or something. It was a good amount. It was a good start to their viewership. Uh, the stream looks great. It's a good brand of hockey. And, and of course, Boston, the Boston Pride are amongst the best team, probably the best team in the league. So it's a really good take if uh, if you want to check them out on Twitch. They started yesterday, that league. So that was that was good. And they'll be on NBC Sports. And I don't know if you saw, it's not on the agenda, but NBC Sports, the NBC is getting rid of NBC Sports Channel yeah. by the end of 2021. And the, the uh, NHL will move to USA, the USA Network, I guess I saw. Um, so that's sad. It's another pandemic you know it's another thing hitting the sports media where they'll have to shut down the nbc sports network and i really hope that that the nhl stays on regular cable tv you know and not have to go just to nhl network or it's really important for them to have a good tv deal and i really don't i really hope this isn't the beginning of them really struggling for another major uh, TV deal. Makes it's you, a really good source of revenue. Makes you wonder uh, if if this was known. Well, a lot of this stuff is known ahead of time. You know, when you got billions of dollars tied up in network. Oh sure. You know, uh, folks are going to know ahead of time what's going on. The landscape is not that you know not that close to you. But right. uh, you know, my, Doc Emmerich might have said that you know if if this is what right. it's going to look like, I'm going to retire now. <laughs> right. And it, it, it's a very good point. And he may have, he may have said, you know what, I'm not going through that or I'm not going to go find another job or yeah. not that he had to find one, but to have to move to another situation. It was, he probably, it was probably played into it because like you said, this, this, this thing is, doesn't happen overnight. No. I mean, obviously this is something that they want to, because jobs get lost. So they, you can't just make this decision on one in one day. For but sure. br- bringing it back to the Boston Pride, I thought it was a um, the the HD uh, Twitch stream was awesome. I didn't yeah. watch the other two games that were on the docket from uh, the, la- the late uh, the late Placid Bubble. Um, but mm-hmm. w- what a feeling to have these ladies go out there with the na- 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team won gold. Uh, the facility looks great. Uh, the, right. the the um, photo fans. Uh, in the stands was awesome. That was a great, and uh, um, you know, I think it was a um, a charity thing that you know, if you buy a picture and so on, you uh, you know donate to a certain charity. So there was a bunch of people that had that were actually there, but they were in image form, which was actually pretty cool. And you could it almost looked like a group of fans that were in the stands. So right. un- yeah. unfortunately, the Boston Pride lost their first game. So now they're just gonna mm-hmm. like last season, they went twenty one and one. So right. this year they're going to go one and something else. Yeah. You're right. They're just going to go on a, on a big run. They're a really talented team. And they good, were, hockey, you know, good hockey. Good yeah, hockey. Absolutely. Uh, coached by uh, Paul Mara, former Boston mm-hmm. Bruins player, longtime New right. York Ranger. 
right? Uh, and, yeah. you, you know, run by uh, Caitlin Peach. I think that's her yeah. name. Probably yeah. hacked it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's uh, good stuff. And, and it's good to see them that they're on a national brand now with NBC, SN, right. um, and getting that exposure. Also, the Twitch stream. The Twitch has been awesome. That's free. You can watch that anytime. Sign up for an account and, uh, and turn on your notifications because when the Boston Pride come on, you know, a lot of folks need to uh, pay more attention to that because women's hockey is starting to become more relevant. And as we get, you know, as hockey grows, it's it, hockey is for everybody. So, you know, right. that campaign will never stop. So, Now, this is usually a time for SBNG, which Heather usually does. But I did uh, sort of peep on our Twitter and did find one. Uh, from Joe, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this name up, Joe. I'm sorry, Shrizanowski. Shrizanowski. <laughs> um, and he, he tweeted out. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, he forgot C-H-R-Z. the hashtag. Eh? When you throw a Z in the middle, it throws you off a little bit. Has to. It's it. Uh, he's uh, so. This is the question. He said it's a good problem to have, but if Borrell and Lozon continue to play well. What do the Bruins do about protecting D men for the expansion draft? Was an excellent question. And do they resign themselves to losing one or try to make a deal to protect both? Now I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast that I really thought that John Moore needs to be moved. I mean, he's hurt right now. They really can't get him in the lineup. He needs 40 games to be protected. They're not going to be able to do it. So they need to move him, even if it's just moving him, even if it's just literally a dump. They need to move him Future so that they don't have to. Uh, do, yeah, they yeah, and they have to. And even if they take the two, pay the rest of the salary. I mean, they have to move him because honestly, so I think that that's you know that has to happen. If you if you waive him for the purpose of putting him in Providence, I don't think that does anything with the protection ahead of it them doesn't. with the other <clears throat> no. players that could be could be taking as easily as as um, anybody, but. Um, no more additions uh, to the roster this year because you'd be exposing so many people. But Joe does bring up a very valid point on 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 who to who to to protect and who to move. So right. um, no, it should I, be interesting. Yeah, it is, and and I just think that I'm with you. I at, at this point they can't really move Lozon or or you know they wouldn't move Grizzlick. I mean they they're going to lose somebody so they have to they really have to get creative here and and try to figure out and also if any deadline deal that's why I think a rental may be more attractive to them. Now you have to give up something for it. But I think a rental might be more attractive than a guy with term because again it's another guy you have to protect. So it it's another story to keep an eye on. And then one more Clovis Roy uh, for he sent out a, a tweet to us. Do the Bruins trade Richie while he's showing promise? <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you know, hey, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, the the thing about Richie is, and I've been the guy that's hammering Richie. He does have a very friendly contract. He doesn't really make any money. I think he makes one point four or something. He just doesn't make anything. Um, and he's a guy they traded for. And they traded Danton Heinen, a homegrown draft pick they had. You know, so I think they really want to make this work with him. Um, now, if you can re- if you can better your team and get a defenseman and he's a chip, you know, and you have enough depth at forward, then maybe. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, obviously. It's funny how things change in a matter of a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, no one would take him. You know, honestly, two weeks ago, they could roll him through waivers and no one would take him. If, but now, you know, he's a stud. 
but uh, yeah, hey, if if they if someone wants them and they can get maybe a defenseman who could help or some other piece, uh, then yeah, I mean I'd entertain it. But it's it's funny how things change. If you if he continues to play, this is such a weird predicament. If he continues right. to play like he is now, he's on he's on his last year of his contract. The Bruins could literally say if they could reach out to him and say, "Listen, do you want to stay here? If we were to entertain resigning you, would you want to stay here?" And if he said no, which nobody shows their hand at a poker table like this, right? You know, if he says no, then it's so easy to make a move like that, sell as he's high. But right. you know, with the Bruins, it wouldn't. It would be so Bruins if he has a a good contract year and he's brought back for another year and mm. that's when a lot of players are down they down spiral in my opinion so I, i'm on the fence on nick ritchie love what he's doing i absolutely love yeah. what he's doing but absolutely. if you if somebody is making a phone call i'd take it i'd take yeah, it yeah yeah i'm with you i mean I, yeah, absolutely if you can again if you can better your team you get an asset in return then yeah, I mean, strike with Anders Hart. I just don't know if his value is anywhere right now. I mean, it's we've only played five games. I right. Mean, it's you know, but I think if it's twenty games in, it gets closer to the deadline of April, and you can really make a. You know, he may be a roster piece you can move to get to get a piece that you need if there's some depth there in the forward uh, position. Good question, uh, Clovis. It was good, Clovis. And Clovis and Chris, thanks so much for sending. You want to send us a tw- tweet next week for the next episode hey. and you always use that hashtag ask bng yeah joe shinowski use the hashtag bng joe yeah um any any this week in bruins history i found one real quick because i'm so nice. unprepared for the 11th hour guy that i am um on uh this week uh on t- january 27th 1966 pitt martin scored four goals in the Bruins' five to three win over the Chicago Blackhawks, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's Martin. it. That's it. Good old Pitt Martin. Pitt, what a name! Uh, Those Pitt, I, Pitt Martin. I, I love the names back in the uh, back in the oh, day. Yeah. Pitt and Pie, Bronco, yeah, uh, Gump, yeah, Gump, <laughs> uh, Gump Worsley, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, and you absolutely want to check out blackandgoldhockey.com. We're in the midst of Bruins season. We have a team of fabulous writers that pump out content every single day, articles, information, speculation, uh, our take on anything from Nick Ritchie to Anders Bjork to to anything about Bruins. So you want to check that out, blackandgoldhockey.com. And uh, click on all of our little things in the margins too. Everything that pays the bills. Pick on you know, click on some fanatics. Buy your buy your Bruins gear through Fanatics through our site. Yeah, buy buy too. all kinds of um, gear. You don't have to just buy Bruins gear on that when it shows the banner yeah. as just Bruins. Click on that, then go to the Fanatics search bar and put in Major League Baseball, football, soccer, uh, NCAA. That will all stay connected to us. It really helps us pay the bills. It's just another avenue of revenue to to cut the cost. So we would certainly appreciate doing that. Just blackandgoldhockey.com, please. Absolutely. And Mark, when can we see you this week on your stream yard? Last week we did not do a stream yard um, because uh, Nick was uh, not available, uh, host of the uh, Dump and Change podcast. So we kind of just took a, 
a week off. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a really shitty ass week anyway, but uh, we're back on to uh, Tuesday night and um, nice. we'll be doing these weekly. Uh, whether there's a game on or not, we'll probably do a live stream during a game. We'll just sit there, shoot the shit, have a couple of adult drinks and, uh, and talk about the action that we see. And if there's no game on, what we do is we'll talk about uh, the previous week news and highlights and so on and what, what was good and bad in Boston Bruins hockey. So um, we are on uh, YouTube live. We're on Facebook, multi-channels on Facebook. We're on the Black and Gold Hockey page on Facebook um, and on Periscope on Twitter. So please welcome to come in, sign in, and, and ask questions on the chat. Um, if you're a writer, podcaster, or anything like that, you're welcome to join the conversation. If you have a good microphone and, and can speak clearly and so on, and your internet connection's right. good, come on and join us and uh, ask us a few questions. But it's, a, it's a, just another way of, of getting together with some really good friends and good people and good Bruins Nation folks that um, are interested in uh, what we have to say. And we've gotten a, really, a lot of really good responses from it. We're averaging probably about 500 views uh, per stream from all these different uh, avenues of uh, of producing live content, so it, it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's a good uh, avenue for our Black and Gold Productions sports media company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you'll want to join us on on Patreon too and donate uh, one dollar per episode, and you can get some really awesome signed jerseys. Absolutely, and we are um, we gave away a, a jersey last week to Joel Marshall. Uh, he got an Anders Bjork jersey. Hopefully, he doesn't get out of the lineup anytime soon. But uh, uh, yeah. going to be sending that to him. But we have other jerseys hand signed. We're going to be giving those one away uh, once a month. But we're going to be giving away a Bruins-related item every episode we do this. So four episodes mm-hmm. a month. And uh, this week's winner is Steve Pennington. Steve's been around for a little while on the uh, on the uh, Patreon. Um, campaign. So we thank you, Steve. I'll get you your Bruins-related item out as soon as possible. Um, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. As Matt said earlier, it's just a dollar per episode. We'll get you involved in all of these things. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get money to offset the operational costs of uh, running a sports uh, media company. But we're also, some of that money is going towards future giveaways so it's all mm. being recycled and used in a, in a really good manner to give back to those who uh, are, are our favorite fans to be honest with you the financial supporters are awesome so we get those guys involved we have like over 30 i believe i haven't done the count yet nice but we have over 30 and we do a, we do a pretty decent job but we want more we want to give mm. away bigger prizes i mean yeah. bruce bruce sullivan has like a, a Patrice Bergeron jersey, but it's like a two uh, hundred and something more dollars. Right. If we right. could get sixty, a hundred right. Patreon members, buying right. something like that is feasible, and it right. would be only a dollar to win. So, right. It's up to you, yeah. folks. If you guys want to get involved and help out, that'd be much appreciated. Absolutely, we appreciate everyone who donates and everybody who listens each and every week, and that'll do it for episode two hundred thirteen. And it was a good one, Mark. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. Absolutely. We miss Heather. Uh, hopefully she comes yeah. back next week. Um, but um, thoughts to her and so on. It was a, kind sure. of an 11th hour thing, but we totally understand. This this stuff happens. And um, But uh, I'm sure her spunky ass will be back uh, <laughs> next week and all full of piss and vinegar to get back yeah. in. And uh, 
We'll yeah. we'll do the um the hashtag BNGs, the ones that we saw with her, because I think yeah. that's a um something that yeah. she likes to do. So we'll get her involved in that. But uh, mm-hmm. again, Matt, thank you very much for the time. Thank you everybody yeah. for listening. The retweets, yes. the shares, the love, mm-hmm. the compliments have been all good. And mm-hmm. I, I just want to end with this to some of our uh, uh, the B and G haters out there. No, we do not listen to thousands of downloads. Just me, Matt, and Heather just love listening to ourselves. So no, we no, have we don't. <laughs> we have about fifteen hundred downloads a week. So eat that yeah, to right. the folks that are <laughs> the keyboard warriors out there that don't like our B and G stuff, but love to yeah. chirp online. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that's going to happen, but we do have a lot of loyal listeners who listen every week and we appreciate it. And, you know, you guys have been doing this a long time and you have a really good group of people who listen Absolutely. each and every week and get to the website, blackandgoldhockey.com. And it's always better when the Bruins are doing well. So hopefully that continues this week. Yes. And don't forget to rate and review, please. Five stars and yes. even say something bad about us. I don't care. But yeah, we love the five star ratings. But that's right. Show a pulse. I don't <laughs> yeah, care exactly. what it is. <laughs> All right. We'll see everybody again next week. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.